The Fetus Club is supported by its patrons at patreon.com slash thefetusclub. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron. This is episode 112 of The Fetus Club for July 2018, National Gradients of Outrage. And welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is a show where we get together with people from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, and we talk about the news that have been happening in the past month. Hopefully, you get uh, some different perspectives on what you thought was definitive, and uh, you are challenged in your ideas and opinions a little bit sometimes, maybe. My name is Patrick Beja, and today I'm very happy to be welcoming a full house to the Phileas Club. The club is full. There are no more seats. Uh, five people on the show today. Myself, of course, I am uh, currently living in Finland slash France, but spending a little bit more time in Finland. Uh, so I, I hail from Europe. We also have Turkey, who is, of course, with us as almost every episode. You, he is from Saudi Arabia. How's it going, Turkey? I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking to you. <laughs> Are you saying this because I said you always sound uh, asleep and bored <laughs> before yeah. we started? You know, you're saying the words, but I, I somehow I'm still not convinced. Your tone doesn't convey it quite well. Say it again. Try, try it with a little bit more peps in your voice. Clearly, clearly you do not understand sarcasm. <laughs> That is true, but thankfully, you have that in spades to educate me. Um, uh, honestly, I love you, Patrick. Seriously. Uh, I do, too. <laughs> we also have... You love uh, yourself. I, yes, exactly. That's what I meant. Um, we have, well, we heard the voice of Bruce, who is uh, hailing from Scotland without the accent. What's that about? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Zimbabwean in Scotland, uh, so there we yeah. go. That I don't is... really have an accent. I don't really have a Zimbabwean accent anyway. But I, but I'm okay. It's good. Yeah, to be here. I feel I feel a little bit cheated. I was expecting a little bit more uh, of a colorful accent to invade the show. Uh, you've been no. on the show before, so I knew what to expect. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> we will uh, give you a pass for this time. So Zimbabwean slash. Well, really, can, can, do you still? Uh, keep up with what's happening in Zimbabwe? Do you go back? I, I do. Uh, I, it's actually one of the things I wanted to mention today. Well, if we've got time, but yeah. But yeah, I still keep up with it. So Excellent. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Uh, we also are very happy to be welcoming back Tony from uh, the US. How's it going, Tony? It's going very well. Thank you. This is uh, the best way to start my work day is talking to you guys. <laughs> and I will try to if I make any jokes, clearly state that they are such before making them today. Okay, excellent. Did I? I'm not sure why you're saying this specifically. Did we uh, uh, make? No, that's a that's a reference to one of the latest big things in the oh, United States. The okay. the joke video that was seen as uh, fake joke. news. Okay, all right. Well, I didn't see that one. I'm sure we'll have fun talking about that one. Um, and as I mentioned, you're from the US, you're from, so you're on the uh, Eastern time, but as you uh, mentioned very clearly before we started recording, you are not from the East Coast. You are from Ohio, proud Ohioan, is that? Ohioan, yes. Ohioan, um, and yes, you are not to be confused 
with those uh, East Coasters, which I understand because, you know, they're all uh, Tony Soprano type uh, mafia people. So I, I get why you wouldn't want to be associated with them. Um, and speaking of, uh, we are also welcoming a newcomer on the show, another American, Bill Bird. Are you, you're from the East Coast. Are you one of those mafia types or, or not? Uh, not in the last year. I've resigned. Uh, <laughs> we call ourselves East Coast here in the Philadelphia area, even though we get in our cars and drive over an hour to get to the beach. Mm. So take it the way you like. Excellent. Uh, well, I'm very glad to be welcoming you. Um, you are, I think... The only grandfather we've ever had on the show, I'm not sure, but I think you're you're the only one. Can you tell a few words about yourself? Uh, the others have been on the show before. Uh, I think many of the listeners know more or less where they're coming from. Uh, Bill, it's your first time. Could you let the audience know a little bit about yourself so they have some context? Sure. Well, as a grandfather, let me start by saying, get <laughs> off my lawn. <laughs> uh, I was... Hmm? Duly noted, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I was born in New York City and raised there for a number of years where I took part in the duck and cover air raid drills where you were instructed to in school to get on the floor, get your head under the desk and your bottom to the window. But I've lived in the Philadelphia area for the last 40 years. Uh, as you implied, I'm not only a grandfather, but a husband and a father and a software developer. Um, and uh, I've, like a lot of Americans, I've become a compulsive consumer of news in the last two years. Uh, but I'm also interested in history, tech, books, way too much TV and movies. And uh, fitting with the stereotype, I'm not a gamer. Uh, and I gave up comic books when I was 40. Ah, so when you were really young then. Uh, I, I, I'm were 40 now, so. Right. I mean, oh, 45, 45, 45, but in my 40. 40-ish, 40 adjacent. <laughs> yeah, they were piling up faster than I was reading them. And so I had a moment of sanity. Mm, yeah, I can understand that. There are some pretty good ones nowadays, though. You might, I'll, I'll give you a couple of recommendations on things you can get back into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to all of you for being on the show. Uh, as always, what we do on the show is that we go over each guest and uh, we get a feel for what has been important in their part of the world over the last uh, few weeks. And um, we try to discuss it. It's very simple. And for me, I guess I'm going to not break tradition and start. Um, I'm going to be talking about something that has been happening in France. And I'm very curious to hear, maybe if you've had, uh, if you've heard about it, I think maybe not. Uh, but what you think about it on face value. Because it's quite a scandal, and uh, it's been making the news for the past couple of weeks in in somewhat dramatic fashion. So I'm going to try to summarize uh, what happened, and I'm sorry if I get some small elements wrong, but overall you should get the gist. So over uh, Labor Day on the 1st of May, um, we always have demonstrations in the country for, you know, celebrating the uh, rights of the workers. And that's something that's been happening for a very long time. Um, it's usually fairly uh, 
accepted, uh, accepted, I mean, not accepted, but like there are no major incidents. Maybe sometimes there are some things that uh, happen on the fringe, but generally it goes rather well because it's not, necess it's not necessarily um, against the government. It's more a celebration of the workers' rights. Of course, you know, some uh, people always say the government is uh, fighting against those rights, but it doesn't usually deter in uh, anything resembling riots or anything like that. So this time it didn't either, actually, but it happened on the 1st of May as usual. And a few days ago, maybe a week ago, so two and a half months afterwards, there is a video that surfaced that showed uh, someone mistreating a uh, someone who was demonstrating, or that's not completely clear, maybe it was even just a, a passerby. They, they grabbed uh, a woman, uh, dragged her to the side. Oh, I'm saying someone. They were wearing a, a police... Um, how do you call it? The thing you put on your arm. I can't remember the the name in English. Like a ah, a, a little band of uh, fabric that you put on your arm to indicate armband. An armband. There you go. So they were wearing a police armband and a riot police helmet, um, and so you know it was kind of assumed that he was part of the police. So he dragged a woman to the side, uh, hit her uh, a few times, then rushes to another man that was closer to uh, the riot police and grabs them and starts hitting them as well. Um, and that person, it turns out, is a uh, advisor to the president, uh, President Macron. He's an advisor. Well, he's like a bodyguard. It's not completely clear what he does, but he works with the office of the president's chief of staff and has the status of like advisor slash bodyguard. And of course, he is not a policeman. He's not a part of the uh, uh, riot police. And so it's basically an advisor to the president who goes to a demonstrate peaceful demonstration, uh, puts on a uh, riot police helmet and signs of being a police person, and violently attacking people. Um, and we discovered, thanks to the work of one of our national newspapers, that he did that and who he was, and that uh, for this, the, his uh, hierarchy basically suspended him for two weeks and that was it. So already that sparked outrage. Uh, what was he doing wearing those things? It was explained later that he requested to be present to observe how uh, those operations go, which is not uncommon. But of course, he didn't have the authorization to take part. Uh, obviously, he's not a police officer. Um, and he didn't have the authorization to take part. But that's only the starting point, because as people dug more and more into his uh, past, we realized that he was uh, uh, violent before and in other occasions. He had um, other perks that he's not supposed to have, like a, a car, uh, uh, you know, um, not company, but state car, state own car that was outfitted with uh, police lights. Um, he has a pass that allows him to go into the parliament where no one else is supposed to go and like only the highest uh, 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 officials have the right to, to, to go. They, no one has the pass and is the envy of, of everyone. And no one quite knows exactly 
who the guy is and why he has all of those things. Uh, he is clear. It's not like he's some kind of embedded uh, secret service agent, or at least it would be very strange that he would behave like this. Um, he has a history of being a bodyguard. He has falsified his resume. And the, the most damning thing, which made this into more than just a scandal that would have been acted on quickly, was the fact that his hierarchy knew about the video, and they only decided it was appropriate to suspend him for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're getting parliamentary hearings on this. We're getting uh, uh, more and more um, revelations. And finally, a couple of days ago, uh, President Macron, who was basically uh, uh, walling himself into silence, not addressing any of the issue, uh, had to, was forced um, to come out and say things. And uh, what he said was, I'm the only person responsible, kind of making a show of strength. But at the same time, um, it, you know, he was taking on responsibility on himself. So making it seem like he was a good leader, but he also can't really be held accountable because obviously he's the president and short of what would be the equivalent of an impeachment, um, which obviously is not going to happen for this. Uh, he is not, there aren't going to be uh, consequences on him. Uh, the, the guy, uh, Benalla is his name, um, has been now fired and is, has been arraigned. He's going to be prosecuted. A couple of other people that are involved are going to be prosecuted. The big question is now what's going to be happening to his hierarchy. Mainly, he's his direct manager, the chief of staff. Um, I, I personally, I would think something should be done if only an administrative measure of, you know, a warning or something symbolic, but something should be done. Um, very upset by all of this. And it is uh, probably beyond all of the political disagreements that France <clears throat> has with each other and the government, which always happens. This is probably what has been the most impactful um, thing that happened since the beginning of uh, the, the Macron government. It's almost universally considered a black eye in the government's face. Um, so yeah, this is the story, kind of unexpected. It was really a WTF moment. When you see the video, it is unsettling and upsetting. Um, and, and yeah, so this is where we stand now. Have any of you heard about this or is it only making the news in France? No, no, I have to say I haven't heard of it either. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's always interesting when it doesn't make the news. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I heard of it and I think you, you guys are just crybabies. Really? Yeah. Why? Okay. I'm never sure if you're being ironic now because obviously I don't know what irony is. Um, why would you say we're crybabies? Hmm? Why would you say we're crybabies? Move to the Middle East. Move to the Middle East. Oh, right. You mean that kind of thing happens all the time. Well, I mean... And, 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 and seriously, guys. Uh, so, you found out, you arrested the guy, you open an investigation. End of story. Move along. It's, well, the thing is... It's not like it was a year ago and you just figured it out. That's, so it's a huge scandal. It's thing, something that's been happening for a while. It's been a year since it happened. Like, it didn't take long for you to find out and mm. act on. So, so move on. But you know the the, the key the key issue here is that uh, the the president and the chief of staff and the president knew about it, and the consequence was only two weeks suspension. 
And I think that is a sticking point. If we hadn't, if they hadn't known, it would have been a different story. If they found out, fired him, fine, it's not a big deal. But what makes this into a, a, a state uh, uh, issue is the fact that they knew and they chose to only suspend him for two weeks. Wouldn't that be more problematic even in, you know, other Middle Eastern countries? No, the fact that if they gave the order, yes. If they what, sorry? Gave the order, yes. You mean the order for him to go in and, and hit people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, hmm. if he was ordered to do that, that's a different situation. They found out, they thought this is what it should be. They were wrong in their reaction, but end of story. It's not hmm. like, did they try to hide it? If they tried to deliberately to hide it, then yes. That's a big deal. Yeah, they didn't. I don't think. I mean, uh. there's the question of whether or not they should have uh, uh, informed um, the, the, the judiciary. That is a, another question. The judiciary wasn't informed, and that might be uh, something that they failed to do when they should have. They didn't well, quite if, try if to they, hide if it. They, if, they, if they broke the law and they were required to inform the judiciary, yes, I agree. Then they did something. If the law doesn't make them have to inform them, then they didn't do anything wrong. I guess. I guess that's a, that's one way to look at it. Um, what about, I don't know, let's go to Tony. What do you think about this story? How would it play out in the US or what do you uh, think the react the appropriate reaction would be? I, I think it would play out in a very similar manner. I, I'm kind of with Turkey on that it seems almost like, I don't want to say a non-story because the, the initial story itself certainly would have been a story, but I think it would have played out exactly the same. They would have set forth some punishment. Uh, it would have been too light. Everyone would have blown up about it, and then they would have made the real punishment. And then the next day they would have moved on to something else to complain about. So I'm kind of with him that this is kind of I feel like it's probably gone the way it should have gone. Um, now, yeah, you can say they should have fired him right away, but it, ha I'm, it happens all the time here that, you know, they're going to make some pronouncement and it's not going to be enough and the public's going to be outraged. So then they go as far as they probably should have to begin with. So, um, but yeah, when I was listening to your story, I was thinking, I don't think he's going to get very many differing opinions on this. I mean, I think that uh, I think that we probably are all in agreement that the guy did something he shouldn't have done, and they they responded maybe a little lax to begin with, but then they uh, took the appropriate measures in the end. Interesting. It's funny because you know uh, there's a famous story about I think someone in Finland um, that a, a government official, uh, uh, maybe a minister um, of some kind, that used their government credit card to buy a couple of candy bars. Maybe it was in Sweden. It was one of the two. They bought a couple of candy bars. That created such a scandal that they ultimately had to resign because they used the government funds to uh, buy something for their personal use. Um, Have which you heard of Scott Pruitt? The what, sorry? Have you heard of Scott Pruitt? I know the name. I'm not sure exactly what he did wrong. He is the recently resigned and massively corrupt head of the Environmental Protection Agency who spent money wildly on himself uh, and abused his position in every way. And it took many months to get him to resign. You know, it's, it's funny because it seems that it really is a, a 
a question of gradients. And in the north, where I am now, in Finland, Sweden, the Nordic countries, if you step out just a little bit, it's like you're out. In my original country, in France, I mean, something like this story is considered a major scandal. It might not, you know, it's not like the chief of staff is going to resign or anything like that. The story is kind of being put to bed unless something incredible uh, uh, happens in the next few weeks on, on the, you know, news candle. Um, it's being put to bed. There are probably going to be some additional uh, uh, results of the inquiries, but nothing major, it seems. But we're still taking it pretty seriously and we're upset more than anything. And it seems that you guys in the US, it takes a lot and maybe in Saudi Arabia as well it takes a lot more even to to make you angry it's i'm starting to wonder if you're not like those dirty italians that there is not an italian here to defend them so uh, i can say my, whatever i want my mum's my italian so okay there you go so you can, you can defend them but you know in, in from the north of italy so it's not sicilian so okay the north is is better than the south the south oh, of italy yeah. don't get me started but yeah there's a lot more like there's a lot more shrugging off like you're you know, oh, well, gonna get so many emails patrick. <laughs> um, hey, hey patrick may, if i may sure. I, I don't know that we're shrugging it off i i think the the actual event If that had happened here, if, say, uh, one of Trump's Secret Service members had gone out into a protest and started beating people, the public at large, at least the the left side, would be calling for Trump's head. They, they would be calling for it for certain. So I think the outrage from the opponents of the president would probably be higher than uh what you're experiencing they they'd still be yelling for it however uh i think what i was trying to convey was it seems like things went eventually the appropriate way with what mm. you're saying it's being dealt now, can with can we the all agree that the guy with the candy bars that might have been a little bit too much to resign <laughs> over two candy bars <laughs> yes i think we would all agree we would all agree yep. uh, uh but you know in in here in uh in nordic countries it's you don't mess around with this and i think it it kind of follows that the stricter you are, especially with government finances and, and government, the attitude towards the public uh, uh, property, which, you know, they're being paid with that, with our money. I think it's linked as well to the way you view your relationship to your country's government. I think in France, we're kind of in the middle ground and people try to cheat, you know, on some taxes, you don't declare something or you try to get out of a ticket or it doesn't really matter. And, and so it kind of permeates society that if you skim a little bit on the side, it's not the end of the world. We're trying to fight it here very actively. And I think it's getting better uh, on all levels. I'm including governments in there, but um, I think it, it the little guy has the same attitude just as a smaller at a smaller scale. So in in the Nordic countries, of course you always have people who try to cheat their way into not paying some taxes, but I think it's a lot less uh the case. So it it it's not just the governments that um are part of it and our attitude even in France, sometimes we hear about something and we're like Yeah, okay, whatever. It's not a big deal. Where in the Nordic countries, they would have been outraged. So I think there is something similar here with this issue, which is being, yes, it was handled. Yes, it was, uh, uh, you know, dealt with appropriately, it seems, finally. 
And yes, it's going to be put to rest, I'm guessing, but it will remain, you know, it did affect the standing of the government, I think. Even, uh, just to be transparent, I voted for Macron. I might not have been entirely satisfied with the result, um, but this actually affected me, I think, more than some other things. So, anyway. Um, I, I find, sorry, Patrick, just yeah, I find sure. it funny because growing up in... in, in um, in Zimbabwe, uh, riot police pretty much had free will to do whatever they wanted. So I'm just watching the video there, and you say it's quite violent. Yeah, but uh, that sort of thing, we were, you know, <laughs> we grew up with uh, with happening, and it, it was never a, the fact that people got video taking it and that people are in trouble about it is quite funny, actually. Uh, well, it's not funny. It's not funny, but it's, <laughs> it's almost like uh, I'm thinking first world problems here. You know, uh, people get beaten up by the police all the time uh, well, and by, clear, by government officials. Just to be clear, oh. Bruce, it happens here, too. Sometimes riot police has to break up a, a, a demonstration that's getting violent and they do get violent. The big issue here is the dude isn't a policeman. He's just a random uh, government attaché who just decides to go in the street, put on a helmet, and beat on people. You know, it, and, and that is and, what makes it different. Yeah, ben. And that in the U.S., uh, impersonating a police officer because of all the uh, all the rights that police have to maintain order, and I'm doing air quotes here, uh, that is taken very seriously, whether you're connected or not. You go out and misbehave while impersonating a police officer, you're facing problems. Well, here too, and that's the problem. You know, that's here as well. If you do that, you should be facing very serious trouble. And the fact that, the, I, I think maybe we're getting to the, the reason why this is upsetting so many people, you are supposed to not be allowed to do this. And the fact that the chief of staff and the president heard about it and were like, ah, we'll just suspend him for a couple of weeks, is like, what are you doing? You're, this is a, a this is bad. This is not something, it, and it kind of leads to if you're not disturbed by this and just go like, well, a couple of weeks is fine. What else are you not upset about? You know. I think we're we're disappointing you in our level of upset because you yes. asked how it would go, not how it should go in mm. our country. I, yeah, I guess maybe it it would go the same way. I guess the question would have been better asked with. Would there have been? Uh, uh, would it upset you in the same manner? And Tony, I think you also pointed out something that is really interesting. You're saying the outrage would be higher, especially on the on the opposing side of the uh, uh, political spectrum to the government. I think whichever government it was, it's a special case with Trump now, but it would have been the same case no matter what. Um, and here, while the opposing parties are very much taking advantage of the story to kind of, you know, create hashtags with Benela Macron, associating the president with the dude in the scandal, which I understand why, they're not calling for the head of the president. You know, they're not, they are being a little bit extreme in the way they're portraying this and kind of drum, drumming up the beats of outrage, but they're not, they're not like, oh, what are you doing? Impeachment, like vote him out or like resign today, you know, nothing like this. So, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more. I think they're a little bit pushing it, but at the same time, I understand they're not at, as outrageous as they might be in the U.S., maybe. I don't know. Well, in the U.S., regardless of which party is in power, uh, the other party would be uh, yelling and screaming. 
but uh, I don't think they'd be calling for the resignation of the president in either case. Mm. Maybe not, yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. I did want to ask both of you guys about uh, what seemed to me like the bigger, uh, the biggest story over the past few weeks, uh, which was Trump's trip to um, uh, Russia. Helsinki. and Well, Helsinki. yeah, to Helsinki, yeah, obviously, sorry. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, for the first time, what, when looking at it from uh, here, from Europe, I think what I saw was outrage about his uh, non-strength uh, towards Putin and basically uh, uh, his not calling him out on anything um, and denounce, not denouncing, but not acknowledging the conclusions of your uh, secret uh, information agencies that Russia did meddle in the election. Um, I've seen outrage on both sides of the aisle, which is, I think, unprecedented since the beginning of his presidency. I've seen, my impression at least, was a lot of people from the Republican Party also were saying that this was unpatriotic and uh, that it, it calling Trump out uh, for his uh, behavior there. Um, Tony, you're more on the right side of, uh, of things here. How did you see it? What, what do you think of what happened there? Or if, if you care at all, but uh, what did you think? Yeah, I, I care. I, I didn't like what he said, especially um, I, I think Trump's style of diplomacy, if you want to call it that, is the uh, flattery, butter him up style in person. That That's his style. That's his business style. That's his diplomacy style. However, I think he went over where he should have when he said that uh, he didn't see why it would have been Russia. So he uh, went against what Basically, all of our intelligence services have said that, that Russia meddled in the election and he didn't see why it would have been them. Now, of course, he walked that back, which kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. You say something and then there's outrage and then you, you walk it back. So he went back the next day and said, oh, I meant I didn't see why it wouldn't have been <laughs> Russia, which I don't think anyone actually believes that's what he meant to say. Mm. Um I, you know, I'm not him. I can't speak for him. It, I have my suspicions as to why he went that route. And the suspicions that I have are he doesn't believe that Russian meddling caused him to win the election. Therefore, he wants to throw doubt on whether they even meddled because there are, are some who absolutely believe that Russian meddling caused him to win the election. So, Rather than he's so prideful and narcissistic that rather than say, yes, they meddled, but I won the election fair and square. Uh, he says, well, they, they didn't meddle or, or there may have been some other meddling or that guy in the basement may have been meddling as well, just to throw doubt on that. So that's my suspicion on why he's doing that. But I certainly didn't like that he said that. I thought that it put doubt on our uh intelligence agencies, although now looking at it, I don't think it did because I think most everyone believes that they did meddle. Even the supporters, they believe that Russia meddled with the election. Mm. Oh, I disagree. I, I think there is that hardcore uh, of Trump support that he never falls beneath 
that uh, pretty much believes what they see from Trump and Fox News. Uh, and even as he was walking it back the next day, he read that uh, ransom note. Uh, he's Trump being Trump. He veered off script and says, or it could have been other people. There's a lot of people out there. He mm. could not. He could not stick to the script. And so uh, I don't think that it that it's his pride in victory, because even as he's saying he believes the intelligence services, he's saying other people could have been meddling, which undoes that point. Mm. Does it, um, Tony, I'll, I'll finish with this question and then go back to Bill. Does it alter the way you view, I don't just want to say Trump, because I think every time you're on the show, we kind of ask if uh, it changes your view on Trump. And <laughs> Your response, I think, is invariably, well, I already thought he was an idiot. Um, but uh, does it does it push it to a, like, did it break? I don't know how to phrase it. Did it change something key in the way you view him or it's just power for the course? No, I, I don't think it changed how I view him. I, I and, you know, we I haven't been on the show in a while, so you haven't had the opportunity to ask me uh, lately. Uh, my views on Trump, I, I've gone up and down uh, the last few months, um, but it, it's what's expected to me. I mean, I expect him to say something completely ridiculous that's going to be self-serving, and then I expect his administration to follow that up with a really good policy. Uh, now, there's been a, few, a couple of exceptions to that, but for the most part, regardless of what he says— I feel like his administration is working independently of what he's saying, mm. and that's a good thing because his administration is putting forth what I consider to be good policies, whereas what he's saying is ridiculous. Okay, but that's a bit scary, but I guess it is a special case with <laughs> Trump. Hopefully it's, it is something that is not likely to happen again. Um, you know, the idea that the administration is working independently of what Trump is, is saying or doing, I, the president is I, saying. I, I, I say that, Patrick, but I think that they're working toward his goals. I think that he just doesn't think about what he says or tweets, and he he just runs his mouth. Yeah. Um, but I think his goals are established, and I do think the administration is working toward his goals just in a better way than he could do, especially if he had to talk about it. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that reassured me a lot, but uh, yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> Bill, what what about you? What about uh, the way you view your this this whole uh, Helsinki trip? Well, this is uh, Trump as he has been for two years, and to everyone who thought that once in office, after they voted for him, that he would pivot and become presidential. Uh, what does uh, Nelson say? Ha ha! Uh, he has not done that. Uh, well, I guess yeah, he, that we knew. It's been two years, as you said. Yeah, he. Uh, he appeared very submissive next to Putin, and that worried a lot of people. Uh, there was not uh, a lot of upset on both sides. You know, you got to watch out when anyone says both sides in describing the U.S. There was a lot of upset on the left, and there was concern on the right. If you look at what politicians on the on the Republican side said they're concerned. They find it concerning. A few of them went further, very few. But meanwhile, they still blocked an attempt by the Senate to get the interpreter 
who was the only other American in the room, to come and testify before Congress. Isn't that illegal, but, by the way? Shouldn't those things... I'm, I'm not sure, but it seems like that is not the way it, it is usually done. Maybe I'm mistaken. You mean it should be illegal to have the uh, interpreter breach confidence? No, I mean, uh, isn't there some kind of public record necessity of what happens there, even if it's classified and only declassified much later? Uh, that is true of written materials and even emails, as a lot of people have found to their dismay. Uh, <laughs> but s spoken words, not so much. Okay. Uh, if they are, uh, if no, someone was taking notes, that would be uh, subpoena a bolt to coin okay. an awful word. Right. So uh, the Republicans are acting as enablers to Trump. And that worries a lot of people. Uh, Tony says uh, his administration is moving forward on his goals. In a lot of cases, that's true. And in a lot of cases, those goals are the same as any Republican would have getting control in Washington. Uh, strip down uh, administration, uh, administrative rules, get rid of regulations that protect the environment and health. Uh, cut taxes. Uh, these are standard Republican goals for a generation. Uh, the intelligence so community. That's not Trump. That I mean, I think you're right, and and your um, political preferences are are showing a little bit here. Although you're, I think you're being somewhat factual. Uh, but this is just if it wasn't Trump that was in office, it would it would be the same. Right. It, yeah. Mike Pence, uh, Ted Cruz, any of the others would be pursuing exactly the same policies with, uh, I won't say more finesse, but I'll say uh, less insanity uh, than <laughs> less Trump has pursued on, tw on Twitter. <laughs> he is America's first jazz president. He's winging it all the time. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, that's. Uh, but it, it doesn't it seem from. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Finish up. Uh, it was Trump's submissiveness to Putin that raises the question, what does Putin have on him? And that ranges uh, from one extreme to, oh, it's just Trump admires dictators, uh, as he's shown with uh, Duterte and uh, I forget the guy in Turkey and, and China president for life and all the rest of them. Uh, uh, sorry, it Bill, are, from you, are you playing with a lighter or something? It's, we can hear it on the... Mike. Oh, my God, I'm flicking a pen. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good mic. Um, okay, uh, so it ranges from that to the famous P-tape, with many gradations in between on what Putin might have on Trump. Oh, the P-tape, yeah. There, I, we're hearing about uh, the lawyers paying someone to not talk about uh, uh, some affair he had, stuff like that as well, I guess that's... I mean, There's a lot of that, and it, it oddly enough crosses our campaign laws, which we apparently still have a few, uh, that that would be uh, an illegal contribution to his campaign if it was intended to benefit his election prospects. Mm. All right. Um, Tony, does that... Do you keep an eye on those? I mean, you're a... Uh, 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 Christian person, things like uh, uh, affairs and things like that are run contrary to the uh, image of the uh, GOP, you know, Christian values, all of that. And I'm guessing it's not, you're not a big fan of the idea. 
it does it still fall into the well you know trump's an idiot anyway uh it's not like i respect the guy to begin with or does it concern you more well i mean that everyone knew that's who trump was i don't even understand why he would waste the money trying to cover up an affair that's not something that anyone no one thought he was squeaky clean as far as womanizing everyone Mm. in the country knew that he was he's been a womanizer for many many years um he said you know he did not uh go to vietnam because of some minor health thing i can't remember exactly what it was maybe a bone spur bone spurs Uh, yes yeah yes but he he's quoted as saying that uh STDs in the 70s were his personal Vietnam. So I think we all knew what, as far as uh, marital fidelity, uh, every wife that he's had was his mistress prior to being his wife, except, of course, the first one. So that's nothing new. Um, Of course, yes, that's not something that I approve of personally, but I mean, that doesn't change the equation that that was known that was known prior you know, it's funny. Every time I discuss Trump with with people who are who don't understand the people who voted for Trump or who support Trump, maybe exception made of the hardcore support portion of the American public, which, as Bill said, exists and will never, you know, think ill of anything he does. A lot of people keep saying, "Oh, oh my God, do you, do you see what Trump did?" Doesn't that change your opinion? And it like some magically, for some reason, people didn't realize. And and most people who not don't support Trump but tolerate him for other reasons with other goals, the response, not just from you, Tony, but in general, is invariably, yeah, we know. Like not we know we because we <laughs> heard about it now. It's like, of course, what? Who did you think the guy was? We knew from the get go. So. I think that's a big disconnect. Some people think, oh, well, once we realize this, obviously you can't support him anymore. But when you put it like this, Tony, it's like, yeah, he cheated on his wife all the time. It's not news to him. And if we're being fair, it's not news to the people who are being outraged now. Uh, The the campaign contribution might be another part of it, but it's not the real reason for the outrage. So anyway, I think that that view on it is really interesting. Um, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say uh, yes. And one thing that Bill said uh, about any Republican being in the same uh, place, except with more finesse or uh, however he he put it, I agree. And uh, as we've stated on this show before, uh, Trump was not my first choice. He was not my choice in the primary. So I would have loved to have had a Pence or a Cruz in the leadership role right now. <laughs> Yeah, but as we are saying, uh, it wouldn't have changed the policies. It would have changed the the Twitter antics, which are concerning in their own right. But yeah, it wouldn't have changed the policies that would have been, uh, you know, uh, upsetting to the left anyway. Let uh, me amend that, uh, Patrick. Mm-hmm. The main policies that I mentioned, yes, would be the same. I don't think uh, a Ted Cruz or a Mike Pence would have embarked on trade wars with our allies or attacking right. the EU or NATO. I, I don't see Twitter, that as though. part of the standard Republican. The, the no, trade it's not just Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, in, in doing these things, he is uh, following Putin's line. Mm. 
And that is not the same as the standard Republican line in the U.S. That's, That's something new. That's I was, was going to say that, that just sorry, Tony, just to jump in. That one of the things that uh, I have to agree with Bill is, is that the the rest of the world is looking on, and any other Republican leader, uh, we would have said, well, it's just you know, it's America, and you're following your own things. But he's doing some stuff that the rest of the world's looking at and thinking, America's going down the drain. Uh, you know, we, we we don't. Nobody respects Trump. Uh, nobody uh, that that I speak to outside the UK, they think he's getting stuff done, but they think he's an idiot. Uh, if they do like him, um, and and what we're left, what you, what America's left with now is is no friends and uh, sitting in a corner um, with a MAGA hat on. That that's the way I see it. I don't, I don't know. I if, think uh, I, it makes me. Uh, yeah, it's I. Last week on a British television show, a British conservative member of parliament called Trump a dickhead and said she was looking forward to uh, America getting rid of him and getting back to normal. And I think, of course, we all hope. Um, there is that is one thing I wanted to get to, which is how the rest of the world of the world, not of the worlds, um, look viewed this and especially the Helsinki trip. Um, I think Bruce put it well. It is not just a facepalm, it's facepalm city. Uh, however much we explain and, and, you know, detail the reasoning of how and why it doesn't really affect this all that much or how we knew whatever, uh, was happening. If you get out of the U.S. and don't get involved into their internal reasons for whatever you know, for why they're doing what. Um, that, especially uh, meeting with Putin, was because we've all commented on Trump before, but that was shaking of your head and going like, what is he doing? And yeah. the image on the, on the effect on the image of the US is not, it's not just a, a, a detail. It does have immense ramifications um in in you know standing and desire to work with and and inspiration and it's really starting to affect um i guess it's to be expected the more it goes on the more it affects the uh, image of the US but this in particular was all right he's just not even trying with putin he's just laying down he felt like a dog being, uh, you know, laying down before its master. That's you what could it see like. it in his. You could see it in his body language. His shoulders were slumped. And normally, he's swaggering and he's got his chest thrust out. Uh, and I, there were reports that he came out of that press conference thinking he had done terrifically. And you know, who knows? Maybe I don't. I hesitate to say it. Maybe he's a genius and he's playing Putin. I. Don't think so, but maybe. Uh, but the the bottom line is from France, from uh, the from Finland, there was a definite break in. Like it was kind of, you know, well, he's a clown, but he's boasting, he's doing this, he's doing that. What this meeting was was well, he can't even pretend to make a point about being strong with Putin. He just laid down and essentially there's nothing he personally can do. So this is a huge black eye uh, on 
the U.S.'s face. Uh, Bruce, I think you expressed your opinion on this or maybe the image of uh, that they gave in Scotland. Uh, I, I want to turn to Turkey, but anything to add on how you saw that uh, Helsinki meeting in, in your country? Um, I think you, you pretty much summed it up there. It's just uh, uh, the other thing with Trump in Scotland is that he's not been liked for a long, long time here. Uh, <laughs> he's got uh, he's got golf courses here, and he's run roughsh roughshod over uh, local communities, and he's made he's made a lot of enemies. So um, you know, I can say Scotland hated Trump before it was cool. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, so it's, you're not going to find many people who are very positive about him here, um, and uh, the the big baby blimp uh, i don't know if you heard about that that was up in london right came yeah. to, but it made its way to edinburgh too and there were there were many people celebrating it and you know a part of me thinks it's a bit it's a bit childish but a part of me thinks well you know this is what it's led to so so yeah, yeah i guess i guess i just back up what, what you say you know he's he's kind of he's breaking the camel's back with his with his idiocy um, and i think it's important to emphasize even though we've done it already quite a bit but This last one was the chance for him to be the boastful, maybe even a little bit uh, uh, a childish slash irrational person that he is during the thing and saying something, you know, one thing, anything it, during the meeting. And the fact that he said nothing is like, well, he's, he can't do anything then. The, the yeah. only thing he can do is be idiotic on Twitter, right? And uh And... Again, maybe uh, Tony and his supporters are like, yes, we know, that's what we kept telling you. Um, but I don't know, for us, it was like, all right, well, then you're, you know, raising your arms and going like, all right, fine, I give up, whatever. The U.S. is that. Everyone, that's, in that's the US, everyone in the U.S. is always wondering whether the latest thing is the straw that breaks the camel's back of his support. And this one looked like it might be, but uh, I think we're seeing that it's not. But I would say, even though Trump just tweeted yesterday bragging about his uh, approval rating among Republicans, which is uh, in the, what, the upper 80 percentile, I think. Uh, he, but the Republicans uh, are shrinking in numbers, self-declared Republicans. There's fewer of them than there used to be. It's not huge, but that's the way things are going. He's got a hard core of support But uh, he, Trump himself is always working to erode that around the edges. Mm. Turkey, uh, uh, what about what about Saudi Arabia? Anything to say about that meeting? Well, let's start with, for God's sake, I'm tired of this guy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, no, there's not much happening from uh, Saudi Arabia or the region in general. There's not much about it because Clearly, Trump is uh, with the regional governments in this area. He's very popular. So uh, not a lot of criticism comes out in the media and the region in general. Mm. That is also fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right. I guess that's pretty clear. Um, okay. Uh, as always, we spend too much time on Trump. Uh, Tony, what is the thing that made the news apart from Trump in, in recent weeks? Well, the thing that I uh, found very interesting was um, Nikki Haley, who is our ambassador to the UN and also would probably be someone I would vote for for president someday, um, 
was speaking to a uh, Turning Point USA conference, which that is a very uh, conservative uh, youth organization. It was a bunch of high school students uh, who are um, extremely conservative. And uh, she, you all may have heard of this. She, she got up in front of them and she said, raise your hand if you've posted anything to own the libs. And uh, every kid in the place raised their hand. And then she went on to explain to them why that was silly and they shouldn't do it. And why just triggering the libs isn't helpful, but having an actual discussion. Because you're not going to convince anybody of your side when you're just going out there to, quote unquote, own the libs or own the cons. But uh, we need to be working to discuss with the other side, meet in the middle and find a way to make improvements. And I, I really respected what she said i thought it was great and uh it it's a a point of sanity in the uh insanity that is our social media system right now that she sounds wonderful she is wonderful in my opinion (laughs) now she's she's very conservative uh but she was she is i believe um at least half uh indian um as in the uh, the country of India, not Native American. Mm-hmm. I think her um, ancestry is fully Indian, but I'm not. Is positive. it fully okay? Her I wasn't ancestry. sure. Yeah, she's so, American. Um, yeah, she is American, but her um, yeah. So she was the governor of no, South no, I Carolina. Think, I, I think it. I think it's fair to say, especially to people who aren't from the U.S. Uh, bringing up the fact that she's of Indian origin it, it, when you're talking about the conservative, especially is very fair and i think it's an important piece of information so yeah well it's part of her you know yeah, it's part of who she is yeah. so why um, why she, why is that very fair you do realize that a lot of uh, majority of indians in the us are conservatives uh, well i didn't but that i didn't realize that either actually i i yeah really a, lot of, of a lot of a lot of them voted for trump they are a very conservative community of indians oh, oh that, there you go that's interesting um but she was the governor of south carolina and uh she, he, uh, Trump, uh, made her the ambassador to the UN, and I, I fully expect her to ev- eventually make a run for the president, and uh, I would probably support her. How conservative is she? I mean, um, so um, pro life, anti climate change. I, I believe she's pro life. I don't know her stance on climate change. Um, Although I'm conservative and I believe that climate change is the thing. So, you know, mm. sometimes you might expect me to be uh, full on. I don't want to say far right. That definitely has a negative connotation, yeah. but uh, very conservative. And sometimes you find that I uh, lean toward the middle. But uh, I don't know her stance on that. I believe she is pro-life and most of the uh, fiscal conservative issues she's she's conservative on okay um bill what about yourself did you would you consider this was a big oh by the way do you think was this uh uh, received in a negative way in in any sense was was there some controversy on this it it would seem like it's an incredibly uh reasonable thing to say and even the people on the left would be like see yes this is how we should be even if she is very conservative 
I didn't hear left responses, but a lot of the uh, conservative commentators were on her side in this. It does seem to be a, a, a trend on both sides, but definitely among younger conservatives that they're just going out there on Twitter trying to trigger the other side. And that's not helpful. Mm. I was hoping for a second you were going to say it seems to be a trend, especially with younger people, that they're trying to be constructive rather than trollish. And I guess, yeah, maybe we don't live in that world yet, yet at some point. Exactly. Um, Bill, what about yourself? Anything to add on that story on may or maybe one of your own? Um, in, yeah. In oh, you know, I've always got something. Uh, okay. Um, On that story, uh, although I'm not a big fan of Nikki Haley uh, because she represents all those same policies that are that I view as bad, um, I will say that uh, when she was governor of South Carolina a couple of years ago, she took down the Confederate battle flag from the state capitol grounds. And I believe this may have been after uh, a Confederate-oriented gunman shot up a dozen people in a church. But nevertheless, uh, there was some opposition, and I think it took some political bravery on her part to take that flag down. So she is far from the worst. Uh, I'll agree. <laughs> That's not actually agreeing with Tony. Uh, but in another story in that same vein, there is a bipartisan group of representatives in the uh, House, of, House of Representatives uh, who uh, take they use the, I think, pompous name Problem Solvers Caucus. And these are moderates who would like to push things back toward the center and in from the fringes. They have come up with some proposals uh, that uh, they think would uh, drive in that direction and reduce the power, particularly of uh, the Freedom Caucus, which is a really far-right group that has held, despite their numbers of about 30 or 40 out of 435, they have had a, a way out of balance control over uh, the House of Representatives in recent years. And this move uh, would help to restrict their power. So that could be a good thing. So let me ask you this. It seems like both stories are trying to uh, emphasize or encourage a more con constructive view on politics. Do you guys feel, and I'm going to ask actually the whole panel, uh, including Turkey and, and Bruce, do you guys feel like there's, we're seeing maybe the beginnings of a reaction to the craziness that's been happening over the past few years? And, and maybe some people are starting to crystallize that, sentiment that all right this this isn't helpful or are these fringe elements that are it's not a, a generalized feeling or even starting to become a generalized feeling um well first let's ask tony so i think that there's definitely a reaction to the extremes i also think that it's it's very fringe at this point it seems that Both sides are going more extreme at times, um, mm. and uh, that, Bill, that you're, helps. You're playing with your pen again. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems to be what gets people elected in the primaries, uh, and and you can just look at um, the the left's 
new darling uh, by some accounts, by some not so oh, much. Oh, come on, Tony. <laughs> I'm going to say it. She's a big deal right now. Everyone's talking about her. and That's, that's not the same as saying she's a darling. Well, I mean, she... Who she, is she? Who is she? Her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She beat the um, what was perceived, and Bill, uh, I'm assuming... You're a Democrat, so feel free to correct me if I say something that's incorrect because I don't know his name off the top of my head. Uh, Crowley, the guy, right? Raleigh, Crowley, Crowley. Yeah, he was seen by many as the uh, successor to Nancy Pelosi, as the uh, minority or majority leader, uh, depending on how the elections go uh, uh, for the for the Democrats. And she beat him in his district. It seems to be to me that she beat him because. Very few people showed up to vote. Um, maybe the assumption was kind of like the assumption in the presidential election last time that who cares? Um, our guy's going to win. But he didn't. And now she's all over the place. So maybe Darling was a little uh, hyperbolic, but she is certainly in the limelight right now. And, um, and, and so who is she? Is she, uh, you know, she a, a is, pinko nut job uh, or what's what's her she deal? is a yeah. young, attractive Hispanic woman whose positions uh, are to the left. And she is a member of the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, which, of course, uh, that word just sends people off the deep end. But she ran on a very liberal platform and beat an incumbent uh, who's been there for 20 years. Yeah, put okay. it simple, Patrick. It's someone you would love. <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. American social. I, I'd like to draw a distinction, though. Uh, we're talking about extremes. Extremes in ideology are are fair game. Uh, the Republican Party moved much further to the right than the Democrats are showing any sign of moving to the left, even now, when I think I would agree with Tony that there is a big move Uh, within the Democratic base to move to the left, it's going nowhere near as far left as the Republicans have gone right in the last generation. What is, we is need that, to just a second, let me ask Tony if that would be his assessment as well. Uh, partially, I think there is some truth to that. What I what I think that the clarification that needs to be made is um, it the Republicans definitely moved far to the right, but since about 2010, they've kind of Their, their policies have stagnated, that they've, they've stopped moving to the right. Uh, maybe there's that's nowhere else to go. Nowhere else. Yeah, I was, I was just say. getting ready to say that, Bill. Um, but they, they have really kind of hit their place, whereas it, the, the Democrats, especially amongst their base, have seemed to move farther to the left since that time. Uh, so they're traveling left, whereas the Republicans are parked. Uh, right. So maybe but, yeah, they have a little bit of a delay. They're traveling. Draw a distinction. I would agree. Let me draw a distinction between the politics and the atmosphere. Uh, you can have extremes of politics without having the insane discussion that we've had in this country for the, I don't know, however long it's been. You can be left, you can be right, and still be polite. Uh, we are not seeing, particularly on the right, any sign of manners, shame, or respect for the truth. Whereas, well, or as somebody put it, the Republicans treat politics like a back alley knife, knife fight, but Democrats are expected to be uh, behave as though they're at a garden party. And I 
think that you may be looking at it through the lens of the Democrat side, just because I look at it through the lens of the Republican side, and we feel the same way, except reversed. That's so you we're know. biased, and I think that we could probably both admit that we're biased. I oh, think, I have a bias. Yeah, I think everyone's biased. The the anyway. All right. Uh, what? <laughs> not I too still stick to my Everyone... point about politeness and that's where we need to move for, you know, we may not make a lot of progress on the other stuff but uh, the rhetoric really needs to be dialed back that I think we can I all agree, agree on uh, there you go but so to, to sum up the answer to my question of are people starting to, to feel to, to see a beginning the beginnings of reaction to the hyperbole and, and the you know, owning the Dems or owning the cons attitude, I guess your answer is, yeah, not really. Those are exceptions. My answer is, I, I hope you're right. Uh, it could be, but it's too early to say. Okay. Yeah, um, I want to wait for November. Mm, yeah, that's that's probably going to be an interesting... Well, I mean, until to be honest, until Trump is out of office, it, it nothing really counts, I feel. So... I don't know. We'll see. Uh, all right. We spent too much time on the U.S. as usual. Uh, how about Scotland? What's happening in uh, the country of... Is, is it Scotland where there's lots of sheep or Ireland? I can never make... <laughs> uh, that would be Wales. Oh, Wales. Wales, Wales have got one. all the sheep, yes. All right, fair <laughs> enough. So one. what do you have? Well, they're the words? fourth one after England, I suppose. Wow, who's fourth? Well, wow. England has um, gotten to the bottom of the list for me now. I mean you know, with Brexit and everything. So um, anyway, keep going. Um, yeah, the, well, the, the, the big news, I suppose, for us is always Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. That's that's mm. what keeps happening. Uh, there was, I don't know, mentioned on one of your recent shows, but there's been a, a the David Davis, who was the uh, chief negotiator of Brexit to the EU, uh, resigned at the beginning of July. And then uh, Boris Johnson, uh, the old lovable fool, I put lovable in, in inverted commas, um, <laughs> then then resigned uh, not many days later. Uh, and it's it's looking increasingly, I, I, I say this cautiously, like like it's a complete mess. Um, uh, Theresa May uh, this last week and Dominic Raab, who's the new... Uh, Secretary Brexit, yeah, Brexit Secretary have have come out and said, well, um, don't worry, we have uh, enough medicine and food up for uh, just in case Brexit goes badly, uh, <laughs> and and people are turning around saying, okay, so you're saying you are preparing for the worst case scenario where we will run out of food and medicines. Well, and, to be fair, uh, should, should... you should always be prepared for the worst case scenario. <laughs> but... <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, it's fine, but uh, they they haven't answered that question directly. They just said, don't worry. Uh, um, that's you know that's it. So two years ago, people voted for Brexit. <laughs> Vote for breakfast uh, and said that uh, I always vote for know, breakfast. By the way. <laughs> just just to be clear, uh, is that a croissant there? Uh, uh huh. I can't get them in <laughs> Finland, the good ones, but uh, I can. Um, and but what's happening now is it's it seems to be falling apart. And and yes, there was democratic vote. Um, but the other thing that's also come out in the past couple of months. Uh, is that vote leave have been fined um, and re reported to the police uh, by the electoral commission? Uh, what do you mean, vote leave? Well, they're, they're, 
the Vote Leave were the main um, people behind the Leave campaign, Leave the EU. Mm. Uh, there was them and so then So it was another, a group, an organization? The, yeah, organization. They, vote Leave. They, they, they capitalized Vote, capitalized Leave. So it's basically, say, you know, their name was Vote Leave and there were certain politicians behind it mm. from both sides of the aisle. Um, and then there was another one called Believe, uh, and they, they've been fined £61,000, which is peanuts. Um, but they've been reported to the police by the Electoral Commission uh, for significant evidence of coordination with, with, uh, with other groups, uh, specifically Believe. Um, and it's, it basically comes How out... How is that illegal? What's, what's the issue there? I'm not sure uh, I understand. They found evidence that they spent money that wasn't declared, and okay. they've spent money in areas that wasn't specified. Um, it, it's it's a lot of um, electoral law uh, that was broken, specifically around where money has come from, and um, who was spending it and what they were spending it on. And it, in short, they would basically people weren't spending weren't doing you know they weren't using it what electoral law uh specifies it should be mm -hmm. used on okay um, so uh, all right so let's setting that aside the the boris johnson quitting was also you yeah. know after farage leaving was like yeah. what are you doing um huh. but i'm guessing you're the the country isn't happy about it well you, you know <laughs> They they think he's making a play for prime minister by doing this. Um, uh, <laughs> that Theresa May is going to have. Uh, they, they, there's there's murmurings of uh, her being ousted in the next couple of months. But to be fair, that's been happening for the last two years anyway. And it, it, can you imagine been... Boris Johnson prime minister and Trump <laughs> president? <laughs> I was just doing that. It's awful. Yeah, you, you see, it, it, it's so funny because Boris Johnson, when he was mayor of London, he was such, he was, he was seen as quite a left-leaning uh, conservative and, you know, with his, with his Boris bikes and, and all these sorts of uh, inclusive uh, policies, etc. And he, he's, he's now suddenly turned into, a, he's almost like a, a Trump Jr. or Trump Light, and you know, oh, I don't it know works. If it's working. So <laughs> it is, it, yeah. So the the negotiations they're coming to. When is the uh, end date? It's coming fairly soon, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I think they're looking at September at the moment. Right. Uh, I don't know the exact so... date, but uh, we just recently been told that um, what what's what's happened is we've put a white paper forward that. The EU have pretty much turned around and said, no, we can't do that. And this has been happening for two years now. Uh, you know, it's, the UK have been saying, well, we want a divorce, but we want to keep the house. We want to keep everything. Mm. Uh, and, and there's a common meme going around where people say, you know, I'm canceling my uh, subscription to this TV service, but I still want all the channels and I still want it at the same price. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much what's happening here. And so what uh, are, let me ask you this. What mm -hmm. is the uh, attitude of the people who did vote leave? How are they reconciling this with their decision? I think there's there's a there's a very real feeling that uh, Project Fear, which is what everyone what was what the Leave voters called the Remainers, 
um, is still going in overdrive. By project fear, we mean Remain people have been saying, look, if we leave, we're going to have to, you know, give up these things. We're not going to be able to get, you know, simple things like cheap French cheese. And, you know, it's it's simple stuff like that to uh, having to have uh, imports at the border, import and customs and duty, so that every truck that comes into the UK from the EU has to get searched and has to... Um, has to be checked and then there's the island question which i know you spoke about on an episode previously which is just not uh is not being resolved and they they're they're all sort of saying well you know we we, we're just remainers our ramonas are um saying that uh uh, it's project fear you know it's not going to be the end of the world and yet they're not stocking up food (laughs) but they're not they're also not they're uh, noting or seeing the factual thing, the the fact that the government isn't managing to negotiate the uh, the the leave process. Yeah, and I mean the, the stocking up food. I mean, I don't think you know if if there are food shortages in the country, I'm sure the EU is going to go fine. You can have you know this wheat. Just you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> eat pasta <laughs> for the next two years. You'll be fine. But uh, it's not wonderful, but you know what I mean. It, it like beyond the project fear aspect of it, the fact that it's not, the government isn't managing to negotiate it. Are they saying, well, it's the EU being difficult? Um, it, there's a bit of that, and what what the uh, leavers are now saying is that uh, the government are secret remainers. Uh, and they're oh, watching so they're the deal sabotaging up. the yeah efforts. they're sabotaging their own deal because Theresa May was she did vote she did she was behind the Remain um, campaign uh, prior to you know the the, mm. the vote but she has come out and said you know she's coined the Brexit is Brexit etc um, mm. it, it's it's become one of those things where nobody trusts the government now nobody <laughs> trusts them what they're doing yeah. and everyone's blaming everyone else and and it's almost causing more of an issue than interesting when you asked the question earlier about whether people are talking more or not there seems to be very definite views and i'm sure you'll get somebody responding to this uh saying that you know well uh we are just making things up and and my view on remaining is 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 exactly that you know we're just project fear and and things aren't going to be as bad as we say they are but um one thing I think that 99% of the people agree on is that the government is botching this up. They're really, really not doing a good job of it. Either side of the aisle you stand on, you know. Mm. Uh, um, so so right. that is a big thing. And Scotland in particular, uh, bring it bring it down to Scotland, I don't, I don't want to, is, um, <clears throat> uh, is, is very much we voted Remain. 65% of the Scottish population voted Remain. And uh, um, uh, Nicola Sturgeon has been making... Uh, moves towards the EU to say, you know what, we do want to, we do want to stay, and a second Scottish referendum is on the cards. Uh, whether we're expecting that to be announced anytime soon, uh, well, surely the, the the England isn't going to let you go that easily. Oh, I think I think the English uh, the the <laughs> will be sentiment. glad of be rid of the Scottish. <laughs> well, no, the, 
the the sentiment I've seen amongst the people who want to leave is if Scotland wants to stay in the EU, we can stay in the EU uh, and and go. But it's not that easy. What yeah, would have to, have to happen in Scotland is we'd have to leave, and then leave the UK and then rejoin the EU. And it's not, you know, that's not an easy process of at course. all. So, no. so let me ask uh, Tony and Bill: Is that on the radar in the US at all? The Brexit kerfuffle. I mean, Trump visited uh, the the UK recently. Um, what do you think of it, Tony? You started saying something. <laughs> nah, it's not really something that I am all that familiar with, other than through your show. So okay, that's where my enough. familiarity comes from. <laughs> all right, Bill. What about I watch, you? I, I watch uh, a lot of British TV, so uh, it, it rises to the top. Uh, it was uh, there's a program, The Last Leg, uh, that reviews in a humorous way the news of the week. And it is a great show. <laughs> uh, and if you can watch it, watch it. It's on, uh, well, if you can get it live, it's Friday nights. But uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hip deep in this stuff. But you're not seeing it through American media. Uh, if you read enough news, you can find it. It's, it's not buried, but it is not above the fold headline, never. Mm. For us, it's, it's we don't get... Uh, involved or we don't get the details uh i think boris johnson uh leaving was kind of a <laughs> all right okay so i guess <laughs> it's the same story again um but mostly it's uh, the, i mean the situation in the eu is that you can't facilitate things for the uk who's not managing to do things properly and uh, okay this i i really don't think this is my my political bias it's just that the uk already had so many specific advantages in the eu that mm -hmm. it didn't and and that is the the fact that was lost in this whole debate uh, the brexit debate it already had uh, special uh, uh, dispensations and special a bunch of stuff it was already a special case right and so negotiating yep something that would be better than this is just you can't do it for the eu it's like uh, uh giving bonuses extra bonuses to the country for beating you over the head so we can't accept it and it's almost like we think we, we will survive without the uk anyway so the sentiment is like all right fine you're on your own whatever just that's that's uh, how it is bruce let me see if i've got this right uh I think the, the split uh, over uh, after with that meeting was between the soft Brexit that I believe is being promoted by the prime minister and the hard Brexit that Boris Johnson and others would like. But is there any sign that the EU would tolerate a soft Brexit, a soft, yes, yeah, soft Brexit? Uh, I, I, I don't, I would think the EU would, uh, I think they would, but they would would need to be more concessions from the UK government on that case. Uh, you know, it, it, it wants the it wants the soft Brexit, but as Patrick's just said, it, it wants it wants to have its cake and eat it. And and uh, and and it's interesting um, that that you know it, even I'll go back to Trump. Uh, he's been talking no. to the EU about an EU trade deal, 
he was very much oh UK should leave uh, should leave the the EU but he's talking to the EU about a trade deal and he's pretty much he hasn't said it outright but the UK is on the back burner if we leave the EU and I still say if um, we will not be first in line as as was promised before so uh, so it's it, that's just you know it's one of those things it's the UK is thinking we're wonderful we're amazing we used to we conquered the world and we've got all these colonies and all these things around the world that, that you know, love the UK. They don't. They don't. The uh, UK by itself is a very small country uh, with only 60 million people. So um, I think that reality is going to hit hard if we do eventually leave. Um, all right. Turkey, any uh, opinions on Brexit? Is that something that's on your radar in Saudi Arabia? Uh, not much. It's mostly in the business section of the news to be covered. Right. So it's like what business people need to know in order to make their decisions. Yeah. And it doesn't really motivate the crowds, I suppose. That's fair enough. Uh, what does motivate the crowds these days in Saudi Arabia? Oh, let's see. In Saudi Arabia, I think the, uh, for you, since the last time, no women drive in Saudi. So that's something new here. Oh, so it's happened. Sorry, um, you broke up a little bit. Now it's happened. Women do drive. Yes, women now legally drive in Saudi Arabia. So you said it was happening too fast and it was going to be a, not a disaster, but it was going to create difficulties. How has it gone? Um, way slower than I thought because apparently they implemented new regulations uh, for uh, issuing licenses. Uh, and this is not only for women, it's for everybody. Mm. Uh, you have to go. You have to go to uh, driving school. You have to spend uh, 40 days uh, before you qualify to get a driver's license. And that and, wasn't the uh, case before. You didn't need to go to no. driving school. No. And if you went to driving school, it could be in two days, one day. Okay. So, yeah, I, it's just basically like the states in the U.S. Also, it's so easy to get the driver's license if you know how to drive. Mm. Um. So, and there's not many, and, and women can only go to special schools for women drivers. Mm. And uh, there's, there's hardly any because they have to establish them. So there's like three in the entire country and so on. As I think in, for example, in Riyadh, the city of five people, the population, um, less than 10,000 women got their licenses. Okay, so basically they listened to you and found a way to slow things down. Uh, so you're happy. But how yeah. has it gone? Have, have there been incidents or are they well uh, accepted? No, or? no, no. It's, 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 uh, it went smoothly. You can see women from time to time. I myself, I've only seen one woman and that woman and that was like two days ago driving, mm. period. Does your Since wife then, drive? Uh, no, because she decided to apply for the driving school only after they started driving. And there's a very, very long waiting list. So she mm. should, it, I think she wouldn't be, she won't be driving for another year, most wow. likely. Okay. So it is yeah. spreading things out. Just to be clear, the driving school requirement is for both men and women. Yes, yes. They have implemented that. Now it's also, it also includes men. So it's uh, just a regulation that they changed the traffic laws in general and it covers everybody, no exceptions. Mm. All right. Yeah. So it seems it's uh, perfect for everyone then. Yeah, it's, it's smooth for now. Uh, wait and see. Uh, it's, I've heard of some women driving and yeah, 
some of them have realized the problems of driving in, in Riyadh. So some of them have, they have their licenses, they don't drive at all, or they only drive for personal reasons from time to time. But a lot of them still use uh, chauffeurs or use Uber or whatever, mm. taxis and so on. Because one of the biggest problems you still have in Saudi is uh, it's a very driving uh, centric country, car centric country, and we don't have any parking almost anywhere. <laughs> How yeah, does so, that? I guess it's because you don't have city planning, I suppose. But it's it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Mostly yes. In the beginning, there wasn't much city planning, and when there was city planning, there weren't very strict regulations about uh, how many uh, parking you have. And there there are now, but there's still not enough because, as I said, this is a car centric uh, country, and we don't carpool. So everybody goes with his personal car. So <laughs> if you have Let's say I think the regulation says for every for a business, every 50 office place uh, buildings, every 50 meters, you have to have a, a single car park. But in a 50 square meters office space, you could have like 10, 20 people working in that area. And every one of them is going to bring their car. So, hmm. so it's a huge problem with parking. So you have prop, uh, parking, you have traffic problems also and so on. And uh, Riyadh specifically, and I think Jeddah as well, we, these two cities, the two biggest cities in the country, there's a lot of uh, going on on the roads. Uh, in Riyadh, we're building the metro system, and it's a huge, gigantic project, and like half of the roads are either uh, closed or uh, detours and so on, so traffic has increased dramatically. But surely people understand it's necessary to build a metro system, which will make things better in the future, right? Yes, and uh, most people are mostly happy in a way because surprisingly, this project is actually going on time. And uh, <laughs> could you send those guys over here, please? Yeah, I was going to uh, say. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to yeah, say yeah, uh, that yeah. would be nice to get here as well. Yeah, it's it's ridiculously going on time. I think one of the reasons for this is when they established this uh, metro project, the government decided to put the entire uh, budget for this project into a separate account in advance. So money is available immediately for this project as uh, time passes. So they don't have to go back to the government and ask for the money and then look for it in the budget. Mm. That sounds like a uh, smart way of doing it. Well, this is the first time they've ever done it, and it's been amazing. So. Um, so overall, I'm not sure I got a clear idea. It seems like this women driving thing is going well. People are, uh, yeah, are okay yeah, with it. Yeah, it's a surpri surprisingly uh, better than I expected. Uh, I didn't expect much problems. I, my only real worry was uh, no, but I mean, how many licenses are they going to give out? But people aren't. It, it's not like it sparked protests or the the religious instances uh, trying to make it, you know, to uh, make it stop or anything like that. It doesn't seem like well, well, to be honest, I expected some protest, but I didn't expect much. Keep in mind, this is Saudi Arabia. This is a very uh, strict, controlled country, so it's not that easy to protest in general but uh, overall yeah i i'm i think it was way smoother than i thought all right so that's well. a good thing yeah so uh, that's that's uh, driving uh, another thing is we started welcoming the pilgrims for hajj hajj starts in 3 weeks 
So we are expecting over 2 million people from outside the country to attend this pilgrimage. In Mecca, and, right? Uh, in Mecca, yes. So it's a pilgrimage in Mecca. It starts in about three weeks from today, almost. And uh, about 2 million, maybe a little more from outside the country will be attending. And about a million local from within the country will be attending this pilgrimage. Uh, so we've started, uh, I think, two weeks ago. The first uh, pilgrims have started arriving in the country. Um, other than that, uh, I think the biggest, uh, we have the, one more news is apparently today, and this is going to affect everybody, including you guys, which is apparently uh, Saudi has uh, accused rebels in Yemen of uh, attacking oil, Saudi oil tankers as they cross the border, uh, Bab al-Mandab uh, Strait, uh, which uh, which is connects the Red Sea to the Arabian Sea. And uh, Saudi has announced that they're going to suspend all oil tankers from using that strait for the time being. Yeah, so that expects how, how oil that, prices to that, go up. How much uh, oil goes through that strait? Usually. Just about every single oil that goes to the U.S. or Europe. Uh, I was going to say I'm glad I'm not driving, but actually <laughs> I am now. <laughs> so yeah. So so that's I mean, is that something that's expected to last for a long time, or I'm I'm sure if that that's the way it goes, like they're going to get some help, even maybe undercover, to to get that situation well, resolved. I'm guessing. Well, to be honest, I would have zero idea because Yemen, we've always had uh, timelines and we never really stick to those timelines. So I really don't know how long this is going to take. But the oil prices to go up, this was just announced today. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, one last uh, article I think this you would find interesting. Uh, social influencer in Kuwait. So, so, sorry, can you repeat? A social influencer mm -hmm. in Kuwait has started an outcry because she posted in, uh, some stuff about Filipino workers. Apparently, the government of Kuwait signed an agreement with the Filipino government uh, where uh, new contracts have been issued for all household employ uh, employees in the uh, Philippine Kuwait. And some of the regulations says, for example, that your uh, the employer is not allowed to take away in, uh, the passport of his employee, which is a practice done by a lot of uh, people who employ house house workers, and that uh, every house worker is uh, has to have a, a one day a week off. That and is the beginning of workers' rights. <laughs> this is incredible. And this and this social influencer, a lady who is uh, into makeup, uh, has about two million plus followers. She went online uh, on her, her uh, Instagram account complaining and criticizing this and demanding that this is against her rights as an employer. Oh, how boy. dare they oh, say really? that? Oh, I thought she how was dare pushing, they say that? So I, I thought she was trying to push towards that, but she's protesting no, she. It. No, she went out. She said, how dare they tell us we cannot take the passports of our employer, our employees, what they want us to keep the passport so they can just leave any time they want. And she, she, <laughs> and she, she called them employees. She called them what? Sorry, you broke up. Uh, uh, servants. 
She says, I can yeah. take our servants' passports, yeah. Oh, well, well, don't worry about that. that. That's a common word used here. It doesn't really mean thing. Even uh, people who don't believe in this stuff also use that word. So it doesn't really mean much. All right, it's interesting. Word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and she was said, and why do they expect us to give them a day off, for God's sake? They work at their housemates. They're supposed to be working all the time. And plus, we they already have enough time off. We also take them out when we go out to restaurants and so on. They accompany us. They already have a wonderful life. Why would they need a day off? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so I think the big, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's an outcry the against reaction? her. And- what was the reaction to this? Was it like laughing at her or some people supporting her or what was uh, the... no the, uh, definitely there were those who supported her but the majority there was an outcry uh, criticizing her attacking her uh, she is a make- makeup artist and a lot of the makeup companies that sponsored her have uh, put a distance between them and her now mm. and they cut their relationships with her so yeah so it's uh, the reason I bring this even though it's in Kuwait her mentality is very common in the GCC countries in general, whether it's in Saudi, in the UAE, or Bahrain, or Qatar, or, and so on. So that's why I thought it's an interesting topic. Yeah, but it's interesting that that is her attitude and maybe it's common. But in Kuwait, which is maybe not the least conservative country there is, uh, the, the law was, it, it's passed, right? That's what you were saying? The law has passed? Uh, yeah, this is, this is not exactly from Kuwait per se, because we have that here also. But this was enforced on us by the Filipino government. Oh, right. Okay, countries. sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah. So, so yeah. the Filipino, but the Filipino government has basically made it a condition to uh, 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 allow their people, allowing people to, to emigrate. Come, right. Yeah, to travel to these countries to work. Those governments, the local governments like Kuwait government had to sign this agreement with the Filipino gov- government if they wanted Filipino workers. So that's where she was coming from, going like, how can the Filipinos decide what we're going to do in our countries with our employees who happen to be yes. Filipinos? But Yes, and how and how dare our government agrees to these conditions. Mm, okay, but she was mostly disagreed with and the power of capitalism, uh, meaning the brands that supported her, uh, withdrew, so it yeah. worked. Yep, that's basically it. Uh, but the, the the funny part is, I think the really funny part is she's still defending her remarks, mm. and she's going ahead and trying to explain it in her own way. And she still thinks, and she that she supports human rights. And she still thinks she's an equal uh, opportunity person and everything. And she's still defending herself. And she thinks she didn't say anything wrong. Period. You know, I think that part we might see. Uh equivalences all around the world <laughs> towards <laughs> different opinions and, and uh, political affiliations. Um, I guess it's only fair if she actually believes in what she's saying. She's not going to all of a sudden walk it back just because people say it's wrong. But I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Well, and, and Well, if she believed in something right, yeah. But if she believed something wrong, yeah. Walk back on it. No, of course. But... I mean, I'm not trying to defend her, but I know, I know. <laughs> she's yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, that's that's really interesting. the The most interesting part to me is 
obviously, you know, she's a makeup artist that became big on Instagram. Um, it's typically the kind of voice that you probably wouldn't hear if there wasn't an internet, right? If she was a political uh, a person or a, a celebrity from the traditional media, um, obviously yeah. you could have he heard about her opinion. But in this case, as with many, many other cases, you hear about them because you hear about everyone. If there is one dissenting well, I, opinion, go yeah. ahead. What's different here in the re in in the Middle East in general, in the region, specifically in the GCC region, media is controlled in these countries. Mm. Social media has brought out all of these social influencers who've been talking more freely than if they would be on TV. They wouldn't be able to say stuff that it's not they're not allowed to say, whether uh, and so on. So we have it's a huge problem in Saudi in general and the GCC countries in, uh, overall, these social media influencers, they've been, and and they have reached a level with so many followers that they actually can uh, spread rumors easily, even though they're not true. And that would be the popular uh, accepted uh, view, which is the rumor. I wonder where I've seen that before um yeah but but i'm guessing that those also happen in every type of political opinion so in the case of saudi arabia or the gcc countries there are people that are uh conservative and there are people that are progressive people who would uh, argue for the necessity of those one day off and and not holding the passport of your employee who also have influence correct yes true yeah so yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anything to add on this from the rest of the panel. Um, seems pretty uh, straightforward. One last thing, one okay. last thing. Other than that, in Saudi, we've been spending time laughing at all of you people who are complaining about the heat in your countries. <laughs> <laughs> it's 30 degrees here in, in Finland. This is this has never happened. But I heard that the predictions for the Middle East is that pretty soon talking about climate change again, um, within, uh, you know, our lifetimes, it's going to be 50 degrees in, in the Middle Eastern region because of the way it's a very peculiar, meteorologically a very peculiar region. Uh, actually, so. it's already become 50 degrees in uh, Iraq and in Kuwait. I'm guessing spikes. I'm guessing there, there are spikes, but it's going to become more common. Um, oh, no, it's very common in Iraq and uh, really? Kuwait. But that yeah. wasn't the case before, or? It's been common for the last five, ten years. Right, right, right. So it's a relatively, yeah. meteorologically, it's a relatively recent yeah. occurrence. Um, all right, I guess I'm not going to complain about the 30 degrees here. Although it's going to be 36 <laughs> in Paris next week. And I'm like, if I was there with my six months old, it would be impossible. Like already he's having trouble sleeping and is being generally fussy but uh, <laughs> okay I, to be fair to, to be fair to you guys if it's 35 or over and you don't have ac you can complain that's the thing we don't um <laughs> so yeah all right well i think this is going to be the end of this episode thank you so much to all of you for being on and be being willing to have a in an open and polite conversation trying to influence the world through our uh, leading example or 
by leading through example. Um, I will give each of you an opportunity to tell us where you are on the internet. Um, and well, let's start now. Turkey, I believe you are on Twitter. Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter as uh, Turkey Albala, T-U-R-K-I-A-L-B-A-L-L-A. The link will be in the show notes, as will Tony's uh, link. You go next, Tony. Hello? Tony? Are you, you muted, asleep? Tony? I guess Tony kind of checked out when we started talking about... Uh, oh, <laughs> he, he did just leave the conversation <laughs> at the worst time when I was saying this. He's, he's going back. Let's, let's include him. Okay, let's invite him back. Let's see. He's it's ringing. You'll edit this out, right, Patrick? <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> this is this is the best part. <laughs> quick, quick, let's say things about conservatives. Let's make fun of the GOP. <laughs> oh, he's not, he's not picking back up. He called me, but he's not picking back up. Um, how about uh, Bruce? Tell us where you are. Uh, we can uh, get you on the uh, internet. I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, Bruce Woodward3 uh, at... Uh, I was just seeing a message from Tony come through. Uh, you can read that. Um, Bruce Budwood 3 on Twitter and um, way, way, way uh, too much time spent on Warcraft. <laughs> but I'm telling you what server. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, Tony is saying just say bye for me. So unfortunately, I don't think we can make fun of uh, the GOP uh, because it wouldn't be fair. He can't respond. Um yeah, he's typing a message. All right. Sorry, guys, you won't get... Uh, his link will be in the show notes as well, obviously. So he will be... Uh, you can reach him as you can, all of us. What about you, Bill? You Do you have a Twitter account or something like that? I, I opened the one this week, so it's got nothing there. Everyone who wants to contact me, I'm at WEBird, B-U-R-D. And please be gentle. <laughs> W-E-Bird B-U-R-D I'm sure they right. will they always are for me it's right. not Patrick on uh, Twitter Facebook Instagram if you want to see pictures of said little baby who is oh, yeah. incredibly cute um, you can see some of them there uh, if you want to check out the show you can do that at frenchspin.com and you can comment and we are there to respond and if you want to support the show you can do so at patreon there's patreon.com slash the phileas club the link is in the show notes and uh, you can help this show happen if you enjoy the polite conversation you can uh, contribute to its happening and we all know that this is a little bit too rare that uh, unfortunately as we were saying during the episode it's seems that the owning of uh, cons or dems is the traditional route and people don't talk anymore so whatever your uh, political leaning i hope you appreciate the fact that we try to do that and uh, if you do maybe think about supporting the show and helping us uh, continuing to do that that is available at patreon.com you know how patreon works uh, and as i said the link is in the show notes Thank you so much for listening to the show. We will be back next month. And until then, have a wonderful few weeks. Bye.